Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,884. The topic is training and the title is Client Example, Programming Concepts to Strengthen Squat, Bench, and Deadlift. So, one of my clients competed this past weekend. Actually, I had three clients compete this past weekend, which was fun, uh, in powerlifting. So, three, the, all three clients ended up being powerlifting this past weekend, which was neat. Uh, sometimes I'll have somebody competing in like an aesthetic show, like bodybuilding, figure, physique, that kind of stuff. And somebody doing powerlifting, maybe even somebody doing running. Uh, so, it's kind of fun. Uh, usually, I'm used to things being more uh, diverse. <laughs> so, it's kind of funny having uh, all three competing in the weekend uh, powerlifting. So, I was talking with them. And one of the clients, we went through the experience, and then I got to talk with them uh, yesterday about how everything went, and I thought it'd be fun to share a podcast discussing kind of what we did going into the meet, how the meet went, and what we're going to do going into the next meet. I thought anybody doing powerlifting or strength-based training, trying to strengthen your squat bench and deadlift, might be able to find something in here that would be helpful for them, or at least help kind of spark some ideas. So let's go through this, and if this is something that you found interesting, just shoot me an email at brutalironjim at gmail.com, and I will do this more often. The more I hear back from people on what they like, the more I can do what you like. (laughs) So uh, please let me know. So this client, uh, leading into this meet, uh, I believe we had 16-ish weeks, so about four months or so, um, where we got to work on like programming and everything together. We may have, let me double check, we may have had an extra month there. Uh, this is funny that I don't know that. I don't I don't track that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, I track literally everything else. Okay, so they competed in June, uh, June 11th. We would have started working together, you know, like late June. So we would have had uh, July, August, September, October, and November. So that's five. So we had five months that we got to work together, and then their their uh, meet was just this past weekend. So five good months. Now, in those five months, we dropped roughly about, uh, so five months is 20 weeks. In those 20 weeks, we dropped uh, 16 pounds of body weight. They compete at 242, but they had to do a big water cut at their last meet, and they have some body fat you know, that they can get rid of if they wanted. So they wanted to diet down and have the 242 be more of a natural weight. Now, given their height, they're going to eventually want to maximize 242 with as much muscle as possible rather than continuing to cut down to 220. It would be too tall uh, for a 220. So it's better for them to get to 242 and now slowly start building out some muscle. So that was successful. We did that. They actually got to 242 uh, two weeks ahead of the meet. And the entire time we did it, none of it was with anything aggressive. No crazy added uh, cardio. We didn't have to do major caloric cycling where they had super low days. Their training day versus non-training day calorie difference was only 300 calories. So it was pretty easy. Like training days, I believe, was 3,000 calories. Non-training was 2,700. So they got to eat a good bit of food. That's definitely not uh, starving. Now, they may have felt hungry at times, (laughs) but getting to eat 3,000 calories and losing weight uh, is a testament to their work ethic and the fun in which we get to set diets up when you understand the nuancing things of of how to do so. But it's pretty awesome to be able to eat 3,000 calories and 2,700 calories while losing weight. 
So they were successful with that. Very happy with that. Now, one of the components that's interesting to know about that is as you're prepping for a competition or you're trying to get stronger, but you're in a caloric deficit, you're going to have a, a limited recovery capacity. Compared to somebody who's eating at maintenance, and especially compared to somebody who's eating in a, a surplus, your recovery is going to be limited, and that means you have to you have basically very minimal margin <laughs> for extra stresses and uh, extra intensities, extra loads in programming. So programming has has to be extremely tight the entire time in regards to controlling extra stressful things. So we don't want to do too heavy of lifts too often. We don't want to cause too much muscle damage because we can't out eat that to try to get extra recovery. So the programming had to be very controlled to not do some crazy heavy weight out of nowhere that would wreck the body or crazy hard intense you know bodybuilding style stuff that would wreck the body. Which was quite a challenge considering as I'll talk later on, one of the components we were working on to improve their bench press was to try to build more muscle tissue in the upper body, meaning we needed to create muscle damage. Then, in order for us to correct technique for squat and deadlift, I needed them to do heavy work kind of in the third month of the programming so I could see where their technique faults were, and then we had to kind of rebuild the CNS from there. So the last eight weeks, especially the last four weeks, we would have had to be very controlled with any added intensity, any added volume, because we wouldn't have had the capacity to make up for that extra. So it's a very, 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 very tight uh, window when trying to program strength while in a caloric deficit, specifically to prep for a meet. You know, if you're just doing that in the off season, you get something a little bit wrong, oh well, you deload for a week and you come back and keep going. But when you're doing competition prep, there is no chance to do that. Everything's going to be super tight. So due to their minimal recovery capacity, and this would be minimal from what they were used to. Uh, they hadn't trained in this way before. So this, this, this training style and volume and intensity control was different for them. They were used to much more frequent lifts, uh, you know, maybe benching four times a week, squatting and deadlifting two to three times a week, but that wasn't going to fly in a calorie deficit because you would have way too much accumulated uh, damage to connective tissues and overall, like basically not only the tissues being damaged in the lifts, but also just the stabilization and positioning of the lifts. So for example, your elbows and shoulders in a low bar squat, if you're squatting three times a week and you're benching four times a week, good God, your elbows and shoulders are going to hate you <laughs> because in the low bar back squat position, they have to be torqued to end range tightness. And that tightness is what you're relying on in part uh, to create stability for the barbell in a back squat, low back squat. So that volume would have been astronomically too high and they would have run into a ton of um, like issues. Uh, inflammational and irritation issues in the connective tissues of the shoulder and elbow. So they even had slight elbow issues even in the way that we ran their programming, which thankfully was mitigated and controlled and only flared up at the very end. And that was in part due to the last four weeks not being fully recovered. Uh, and I'll get back to that in a second. But we did a good job throughout the entire prep of actually healing their body through this prep 
let alone actually making them stronger. So one of the things we had to work through was they had an abductor issue, the TFL going into the IT band. They had an issue with that going into when we were working together. So we were able to heal that so much so that they went and did one rep maxes at the most recent meet and that didn't come back. So we were able to fix that connective tissue and kind of uh, connective tissue in general issues. That was awesome. So here we are training, trying to get super strong, training to build muscle tissue while in a caloric deficit, but yet we healed the connective tissue issue that they had coming into the program. That's, you know, I don't pat myself on the back too often, but I should. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> so I was very happy with that. But one of the ways we do that is typically with this type of scenario, the workout structure lends itself very, very well. If you lead up to some heavy singles and then you use underloaded techniques for main lift variations and accessories so that we can continue to develop like positional awareness or technique components and muscle strength, but with managing a minimized recovery capacity. So for example, we would have done some kind of movement prep where we work on uh, shoulder mobility and shoulder range of motion, which is extremely important on squat days, uh, as well as bench and deadlift days. But we would have done mobility type work on the shoulder, maybe some activation and bracing on the core, and then a ton of hip mobility. Then they would have went to their low bar competition squat, work up to one, two, three, maybe heavy singles, somewhere in the like 85 to 90-ish percent range. Then I typically would drop them down in weight to an underloaded variation, which means a variation that feels harder at lighter weights. So for example, you could do an extended long pause. Now, one of the things we're working on with them is trying to better control the eccentric portion of the squat. They tend to just kind of drop through their eccentric, and that's not going to be long-term successful for them. So we have to control that. So long pause singles would be great for that, and you would typically be doing that around 75 to 80%. So you're still going to get what feels very challenging. If you try to do, say, a five-count hold at the bottom of a squat, it's going to feel horrible, but you're only using 75 to 80%. So that, that limits how much damage is actually created, even though it feels really hard. So you get positional awareness and technique improvement, but you don't get a lot of damage to the body, which we can't repair if they were in a caloric deficit. So it was a very good structure there. Then we might finish with something like walking lunges, like dumbbell walking lunges. That works on the adductors, adductor balance, glutes, improves hip mobility, but again has overall minimal uh, nervous system stress, but enough muscle tissue stress that there's actually improvement to muscle tissue strength. So that would be an example of a workout is a bunch of movement prep, Competition squats working up to one, two, or three heavy singles, some log pause singles, and then some dumbbell walking lunges, and then they're out the door. That type of workout works extremely well when somebody has um, limited nutritional capacity, meaning like we can't just feed you know our face off. They're not in a surplus. And we weren't necessarily looking to try to build muscle tissue as much as we were wanting to strengthen the muscle tissue. So that's going to change the volume load as well. We just don't need as much volume load. Whereas if you're trying to build tissue, you've got to have a higher volume to create the volume of damage that elicits a building of tissue response from the body. 
So a workout like that, where you do movement prep, competition, squat singles, long pause singles, and dumbbell walking lunges, like it's heavy enough to be useful for technique work. Too often people think they're developing their technique doing like regular speed reps, like normal competition speed reps at like 70, 75%. That's worthless. And the reason why is the weight isn't pushing you around enough. If you're talking about somebody who's strong enough to squat 500, 600, 700 pounds, bench, you know, one and a half plus times their body weight, deadlift two and a half plus times their body weight, that 70, like 70, 75% is worthless because it's the bar is not pulling you around, pushing you around. You're not getting the feedback that you would typically get on one rep maxes. So for example, your, your bar path control on squats is going to look amazing at 70, 75%, but you get up to 90 and it's going to go to shit because you haven't practiced leaning back into the bar during the eccentric. You might be used to pushing back into the bar on the concentric, the, the way up, but if you're not used to leaning back into the bar on the eccentric, which you're definitely not going to get at 70%, there's no way you've developed that by the time you get to 90%. So lightweight technique work at normal speeds is absolutely worthless in my opinion because the feedback is just not adequate. It's not a sufficient type of feedback to actually learn the nuances that you're looking for technique-wise. So doing it the way I explained is heavy enough to actually get that technique work. And then it's heavy enough to maintain top-end weight load tolerance. So for example, if you just, you know, the next four weeks you come in, you only squat, you know, around like 70 to 80%, then you go put on 95%, it's going to feel like a million pounds. So doing some heavy singles where you get up around 85-90%, you can even then do some walkouts. Or like for squats, you can do walkout holds, bench press, you can do lockout holds. And we would do those at 100 to 110%. And that keeps the CNS prepped and ready. And then top end weights don't feel crazy heavy on it anymore. It's also heavy enough to continue to strengthen the muscle tissues. But even though it's heavy enough for all those things, it's low enough in volume to be easier on CNS recovery, low enough in intensity to be easier on CNS recovery. And it doesn't have excessive muscle tissue damage, so it allows it to be easier on muscle recovery. So this is very, very, very crisp in how you have to program so you have all of these elements balanced. So leading into the meet that we just did, we structured our programming with those concepts in mind. Now, how did it go? <laughs> Pretty good question. Uh, so in, in squat, what we wanted to work on leading into the last meet was to get rid of that um, lack of control during the eccentric, where they just dropped down. What they're in their mind, they would think that they're dropping straight down. That is not the case when you get to max effort weight loads. The bar will push you forward. So what happened at the meet, for example, they dropped down in the first one, but since they went forward in their bar path, the shins angled forward more, which lowered the knee, and they actually missed depth in their opener. Now it wasn't a strength issue. They could have they could have smoked it but they missed depth due to the forward bar path. So that was something we had to correct to ensure that we could hit parallel more consistently. Also, the drop doesn't load the muscle tissues for a stretch reflex to help spring you out of the bottom. You're gonna come out of the bottom almost like a, a dead weight. So we have to maintain more muscular tension during the eccentric loading. So that way we have more of a spring effect uh, leading into the drive out of the bottom. And that drop into the bottom would absolutely irritate connective tissue. So we had to get rid of it for that. 
And it also caused them to be over-reliant on their quadriceps and lower back because they weren't eccentrically loading the adductor, abductor, and glutes. They weren't getting muscle tissue development over time. So over time, the quadriceps kept growing, but nothing else did. So the squat became very quad dominant, and then that required the lower back to balance the quad drive, and that was going to have a, a ceiling, a very low ceiling on their strength. So that was what we were working on. So what we needed to do was first to fix the abductor issue that they were having in the, in the TFL and IT band. We then had to work into strengthening the glutes and the adductor-abductor balance. Then we would have had to improve technique because you can't improve the technique if the muscles you need to improve the technique with aren't developed yet. So we had quite a bit that we had to accomplish, uh, which didn't get done in five months. Just flat out wasn't enough time. So we had to heal the, the abduction, uh, abductor issue. We had to then strengthen the glutes and adductor abductors. And then we would have had to work on more eccentric loading control. And it was, it was a great list of things to do. We just weren't able to get that done in five, in five months. So at the meet, uh, we, they did miss their opener, not due to strength, but due to um, depth. And again, due to just kind of coming forward rather than staying back on the heels uh, during the uh, eccentric. Then they ended up uh, doing the opener again. They, they got it, and then we tried to make a bigger jump on the third attempt so they could still squeak out something to match like their old PR or at least get a decent total. And although uh, the technique improved by the third one, we missed the third one because it was uh, quite a big weight jump. And by then, they had already done the two heavy squats, got a little worried about whether they are doing it right or not doing it right. So we lost our kind of uh, autopilot, aggressive, just let it do what it does kind of feeling. So they tried to micromanage how they were moving in the third rep, and it just you know, didn't work out. Um, now, none of that is their fault in any way whatsoever. That's just the sequence of how it works, <laughs> you know. So if you do one rep and it feels a little wrong, you're then in the very next rep going to be mindful of what you're doing throughout the entire rep. Okay, am I in this position? Am I doing this? Am I holding that? Blah, 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 blah. Is it going well? Is it not going well? It's almost like you're waiting to see what happens. But when you're at one rep maxes, you can't wait for nothing. <laughs> it's just got to be, bam, automatic. So... There's nothing they could do. Subconsciously, their body was going to downregulate intensity so it could micromanage what was happening during the lift. Nothing that they could do about that. It wasn't a fault of theirs at all. Uh, that's just how the body responds. That's the way it goes. <laughs> so that's pretty much how it went. The meat was uh, we ended up getting the opener weight on the second attempt, but then we took that big jump and we missed the third. But the challenge there is... It, we had a lot to accomplish in five in five months. We had to fix the uh, abductor TFL IT band issue. We then would have had to strengthen the glutes and adductor abductors, and then we would have had to put that newly strengthened muscle into technique practice. So, you know, we got rid of the TFL pain. They had no pain at all at this meet, so they were able to go you know all out on squat and deadlift and no pain. So that's awesome. We fish fix that so now this next meat prep we're not gonna have to deal with that at all <laughs> so that's great and we would have gotten for sure some strengthening of the squats and adductor and abductors so now that we can kind of maybe get through this meat and we can start with that we can get even more into technique work we have even more time to build those tissues 
and that's going to help a lot. So I'm very happy for them that we were able to get them pain-free in the hip and that we were able to start to see uh, more awareness and understanding of different components in positioning control and technique and they're going to absolutely continue to get stronger. So our plan for the next meet is just to continue to do what they're doing uh, and it'll be nice that we will be in a caloric maintenance if not a surplus now so that's awesome and we already have that injury issue out of the way which is great. And then what I really want to do in the last, uh, what we had planned for this meet was I wanted them to have one last heavy squat stimulus in the final four weeks of the programming, but it would have required that we didn't have a deadlift stimulus. So the squat and deadlifts compete for the same muscles, especially with this client, the same muscles are our issues, our limiters in both lifts. So we would have wanted to have a heavy squat stimulus, but uh, it ended up being where they did a heavy deadlift stimulus and then we had to modify the squat training. So next meet, I would like to flip that. I would like to get the heavy squat stimulus and not the deadlift stimulus because I think that will lead them into feeling more ready for the heavy weight uh, at the start of the next meet. Then for bench press, what we worked on was we had to uh, change their grip width to get more triceps involved. Uh, we had to change the foot position to get better body tightness and better leg drive. And we just need to build more upper body muscle tissue. They have very strong legs and uh, they're thick in the lower body. Uh, now their, their upper body isn't like thin, they have good muscle. It's just they're they're even even more muscle <laughs> on the lower body. So we just got to build the upper body up to match the legs. So that was our focus with bench press, changing the grip, changing the foot position, and then learning how to do leg drive, and then building more muscle tissue. So how did it go at the meet? Uh, the grip was a good change. They felt strong there. Uh, we did work on the leg drive and body position, which had improved, but there's still room for improvement. The opener was great. The second rep, they got a handoff, and the person, oh my God, they shit the bed on that. They essentially picked up the client's shoulders and then just let go of the bar. And like it would be what would have felt like they dropped the bar into the person's shoulders, like into them. So you think of when you get into position for bench press, you would retract your shoulders back, you would get your lats tight. Well, this person, when they lifted the bar for my client, they lifted it up so much so that my client lost complete upper back uh, support and shoulder support. So then they had to bench feeling completely loose. Uh, they ended up missing it and grinded, like fatigued quite a bit of stuff. So in the third, they said, don't bother trying to help me. So they didn't get a spotter and it was a, a lot better, but by then they were kind of fatigued. So to be trying to do like a one rep max, after already having done two heavy singles and a bad handoff, they were just too fatigued for that. So we didn't get the third attempt on that. Now, what are we going to do going into the next meet? Everything we did. <laughs> it all worked. It just needs more time. Uh, building muscle tissue can take, you know, 6 to 12 months. It can take a long time to do. So although we had five months, we were in a calorie deficit the entire time, and we were trying to manage our recovery capacity to ensure that we could fix that hip issue so we didn't have as much room to push the upper body development given those other elements. So now that they're out of the way, we can definitely push the upper body development a lot faster. So I'm very happy with that. And then we're just going to continue to refine their technique, continue to dial in body tightness and leg drive. Then for deadlift, what we wanted to correct was they had been switching over from conventional to sumo deadlift. They're strong as hell, absolutely strong. But 
what was happening is a conventional deadlift is very different than a sumo deadlift. Conventional deadlift is you get a little tight, like make sure you're tight, and then you just bleeping explode <laughs> off the ground and try to just murder the weight. Like once your shoulders are tight and you have that bar like clicked up into the plates, then you just go like a bat out of hell and try to get it. Uh, and that's how conventional deadlift is, is once you're tight, you just go. Whereas sumo, you have to get tight. When you think you're tight, you have to get even tighter. When you think you're as tight as you could possibly get, you have to get even tighter. And then the bar starts to come off the ground. And then you have to say, okay, as the bar is coming off the ground, can I externally rotate my knees and drive my hips into the bar? And then that slowly brings my hips forward, which allows me to slowly operate my torso more. And then as you're driving the hips forward, the bar continues to raise. And then as you're trying to correct your upper body position to get your torso up more right, the bar continues to raise. So it's highly positional. Sumo is slow and unbelievably micromanaging your position. Whereas conventional deadlift is fast and it's based on intensity. So we were in the process of switching that over. Since sumo involves more external rotation and driving the hips forward into the bar as the lift continues, then that would have required a lot on the adductor and abductors. We knew that we had to work through the whole abductor, abductor issue and we knew that we were trying to strengthen those same muscles for the squat as well. So, you know, we were kind of rough on the deadlift development because you can't do much there because you're doing a lot of it towards squats. So it's challenging. My mother is actually a neat case. Is when, when I've had my mom compete in powerlifting. She's done all of her powerlifting meets after 50 years old. Never touched a weight till she was 47. But she has an elite total in two weight classes and all of the state records. <laughs> uh, she's strong as hell and done amazing things. So I'm very happy for her. But when we prep for a meet, all we do is train the squat and the bench. And then I have her deadlift two or three times before the meet. And she hits a deadlift PR every time. The reason why is the muscles for the deadlift are already maximized in the way in which my mom squats. So our squatting training actually is her deadlift training. We don't need separate work. And the technique she does conventional, it's it's not super technical. So she can practice it and relearn it in a good couple, like two, three workouts, and then bam, we go to the meet and we hit PRs. So my mom is an extreme example where she doesn't deadlift train at all, but yet she hits PRs there because the same musculature is already being developed in squats. This client will find that that's the same thing, uh, is the lower body musculature is already being developed in squats. So in deadlift, we only need a volume amount that's needed for technique development. We don't need anything beyond that. So this client will have to deadlift a lot less than what they probably used to and probably what they want, <laughs> but it's because otherwise they're competing against the squat and their actual development is going to be slower. So it's a weird combination, but sometimes that just works that way for certain people, is their deadlift and, sim and squat are so similar, you don't need maximizing each because the other one takes care of the other one. So how to go with the meat? Smoke the opener. Uh, the second they smoked it, but the loader didn't tighten the clamp on one side and all the plates slid off on um, the right side for the lifter and he ended up pinching his thumb 
And uh, thankfully they counted it because they were not going to count it, but that's absolute bullshit because he locked it out and then the weight started sliding off. So that's on them. Uh, so, But he pinched his thumb. And then when we went for a new PR on the third attempt, the strength was there, but right towards the top, he ripped his thumb open. And it's like, damn it, because that would have been a 25-pound PR that would have, you know, at least ended the day with something that felt really good. But due to that second rep being off and the weight sliding off and it pinching his thumb, uh, it kind of screwed everything up. So what we'll do for the next meet, everything we've been doing, <laughs> his deadlift has absolutely improved, gotten stronger. We're just going to keep that thing rolling. There's no need to change there. So what we got from this meet was we were able to lose the 16 pounds during the prep while increasing strength. So we lost 16 pounds in five months and increased his strength. We also corrected and addressed the abductor issue. So that injury is now no longer a thing we have to worry about. He lost the 16 pounds. We got stronger. We improved our technique on everything. And if he wouldn't have torn his thumb, we would have gotten a nice, awesome PR out of the deadlift. So we, we actually had a lot of good things happen leading into this meet. So I'm very happy for him. But we're both more excited for the next meet. <laughs> because we're going to have a calorie deficit out of the way. He's not going to have to worry about that. Uh, we're going to have more time to just continue to refine what we know is already working. And then, like I said, on the last, uh, the next prep, the last four weeks, I want to get a heavy squat single in rather than the heavy deadlift single. And that, I believe, will prep his CNS better, uh, considering the squat is going to be a harder CNS hit than the deadlift is uh, in regards to what he needs to feel prepared for. It, he'll be easier to feel like he would go in and wing the deadlift than winging the squat. <laughs> so we want to get that heavy squat stimulus in uh, the last four weeks for the next prep. Okay, so I thought that would be fun just to kind of talk through thought process and what we looked at for this client and what we're going to be doing going into the next program. If you like this kind of stuff, if you think it's interesting, let me know. If you want to have a follow-up podcast where I read through uh, the program actually right for him for this next month. We can do that as well. Again, just shoot me an email at brutalironjim at gmail.com. Let me know what you what you like in terms of podcast content. Okay. Uh, if you want to work with me, I'm offering free 15-minute consultations right now. You can sign up via email, brutalironjim at gmail.com. You can go to our website, go to the one-on-one services page, and then there's a link there uh, to sign up for the free consultation. The website is www.brutalironjim.com. Cool. Okay, if you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Gym. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.